you picked up at this time. Please open your Bibles to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 9. Now, why are we studying Joshua? Because Joshua is the book that we are using for our study for Lads to Leaders next April. I want to personally thank uh, Billy for uh, joining me in this series. He did an awesome job on Joshua chapter 7 and chapter 8, and he'll be joining me later again as we go through this very interesting book in the Bible. A while back, the book titled The Honest Truth About Dishonesty came out. The author of that book discovered something that's quite odd. He discovered that there is a rash of reported deaths and those reported deaths seem to peak the week before and the week of college finals. It turns out that uh, when uh, college finals are about to be uh, uh, administered, that many of the students have to approach their uh, instructor and say, sorry, professor, I can't take the test because I have a death in my family. The most common relative to die, sorry ladies, it's grandma, okay? Grandma was the most common one to die. In fact, here's what he found out. According to his research, grandmothers are 19 times more likely to die the week of college finals. And grandmothers of students not doing well, you are 50 times more likely to die than non-failing students. Now, here was his conclusion. The greatest predictor of mortality among senior citizens ends up being their grandchildren's grade point average. So, grandparents, if you're a grandparent and want to live, don't let your grandchild go to college. Now, of course, <laughs> we know what's happening. We know that those students are what? They are lying. They don't have a grandmother who is dying. We live in an age when people often lie. In fact, lying has become a, an epidemic in our culture, especially when truth is no longer respected. Growing up on the farm, spring, summer, fall, you could find me Monday through Saturday evenings out on the tractor driving a tractor. In the wintertime, not so. In the wintertime, I'm inside the house and my parents watch this guy. Now, young people, you have no idea who that is. But all of us older ones, we know who that is. That's Walter Cronkite. He had a tagline that he ended all of his newscast. Here's what he would say. And that's the way it is. Monday, November the 15th. Why? Because he was just reporting the news. He was just simply reporting the news. That's not the way it is today. We live today in the age of fake news. Who do we believe? What do we believe? Who can we place confidence in in an age like we have today? 
The Oxford English Dictionary defines fake news as denoting circumstances in which objective facts, facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to what emotion and personal belief. Our culture, to some extent, has rejected the concept of absolute truth. So how are we as Christians to function in such a culture? How are we supposed to operate in an, in an era of fake news? Joshua chapter 9, verse 1. And it came to pass when all the kings who were on this side of the Jordan, and he starts naming all of those city kings, all those city states, that they gathered together to what? To fight with Joshua in Israel with one accord. All these little city states, they come together to fight Joshua. But there's one exception. There's one exception. As soon as the people in the promised land, they heard about Joshua's defeat of Jericho and Ai, they come together to fight against, Jer uh, against Joshua and Israel. However, one group of people, they try a different tactic. Verse number three. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon, that's the Gibeonites, when they heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they worked Craftedly, craftedly, they are deceiving. We're talking about deception. We're talking about fake. They worked craftedly and went and pretended, they pretended to be ambassadors. They took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins, torn and mended. Old and patched sandals on their feet and old garments on themselves. And all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, uh, we, we have come from a far country. We come from a far country. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. The Gibbonites actually lived only 25 miles away from Ai. But they make it look like they had come from a place far away from the land that God had promised to the Israelites. Their clothes are old, their shoes are old, their food is old. They're trying to deceive. They're trying to create a lie that Israel would believe. The Canaanites, or the Gibeonites, the Gibeonites don't want to fight Israel like their neighbors are banding together to. Why? Because they know they're going to be defeated. They know they're going to be defeated. So they asked to make a peace treaty with Israel. Now, God had made it very clear earlier, way back in the book of Deuteronomy, Israel was not to offer terms of peace to any of the cities in the promised land only to those outside the promised land. So they are trying to look like they are outside of the promised land. The Gibeonites know. They know that Israel means to conquer and destroy everyone in their territory. So they pretend to come from far away. 
verse 7. Then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, that's the Gibeonites, perhaps, yeah, perhaps you dwell among us. How can we make a covenant with you? But they said to Joshua, we are your servants. Circle that phrase. We'll come, to back, come back to that in a moment. We are your servants. And Joshua said to them, who are you and, and where do you come from? They said to him, from a very far country, your servants have come because of why we've heard of the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt. That's 40 years prior. And all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan. These Gibeonites... They are certainly crafty. The Gibeonites are very clever. What do they do? They, they are trying to create an image of people who live far away. Now, if they live far away, news about Joshua's recent defeat of Jericho and Ai would not have had time to travel to them. So notice, they didn't mention Jericho. They didn't mention Ai. What do they talk about? They talked about what had happened in Egypt 40 years previous and what had happened to the king who's opposed them long before Israel ever crossed over the Jordan River. Then the Gibeonites, they continued their clever and cunning tale. They said to Israel, hey, check us out. Look at our food. Look at our bread. It's old. It was fresh when we started. And look at our clothes and our shoes and all. Hey, it's all worn out from the travel. You see, we have come from a distant country. What's the problem? Go back to that verse that Matt read. Verse 14. Joshua and Israel's leaders, they believed the lie because they failed to ask the Lord they failed to ask the Lord. Israel leaves God out of the equation and they are deceived. Israel eats the Gibeonites dry and, and crumbly bread and they drink their stale wine and that's according to a Middle East custom that would obligate them to protect one another. They're entering into a peace accord. Then Israel's leaders made a peace treaty with the Gibeonites. Thus Joshua was deceived, which only brings him disrespect. Because why? Look at verse 18. When they really, when the, the congregation realized what had happened, the end of verse 18. And all the congregation complained against the rulers. That word complain, same word goes back to Exodus when they would murmur against Moses. They're murmuring, they're complaining because what had happened, they don't like it. The people of Israel had murmured or grumbled against Moses. They did it, it seemed like all the time. But this is the first and only time they ever murmured or grumbled against Joshua. Joshua loses their respect because he allowed himself to be deceived. 
Please, my friends, don't do the same. Don't be deceived by fake news. Don't believe everything you hear because everything you hear may not be true. Don't believe everything you read on the internet or even everything on the nightly news. And most certainly don't share information you haven't verified. A few months ago, I, I received a phone call from a, a fellow preacher. For the sake of confidentiality, I'll call him Preacher John Doe. And he said, Michael, you won't believe what I just heard. And then he told me what he just heard. It was a, a story about someone connected with Freed Hardeman University. I said to this preacher, how do you know this? Uh, 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 who told you? Have you verified it? Uh, how do you know it's accurate? Uh, well, uh, so-and-so told me. Well, uh, how did he uh, find out? Uh, well, uh, so-and-so told him, and then so-and-so told him. I begged him. I said, don't make another phone call. I was not his first person he called. He told me that. I said, don't make another phone call until I call you back. I hung up the phone and I started praying what to do. Then I thought, you know, God is leading me. I thought, here's someone I can call that can either tell me if the story is true or not. So I called that person, had a long conversation with him. About 10% of what was told to me was true. About 90% of it was completely false. The 10% that was true was not anything connected with anything wrong, not connected with any sin. So the foundation of the story had a little bit of truth and a lot of lie. You see, you can't accept everything you hear because everything you hear may not be correct. When we spread rumors like that that are not true, it discredits followers of Christ who claim to know the truth. If you want to do well in an era of fake news, then don't believe everything you hear. Instead, consult the Lord. Let God be your guide. Ask the Lord to give you discernment. Pray about what you hear and check it out with God's Word. That's what Joshua and Israel's leaders had failed to do. Go back to verse 14. They did not ask counsel from the Lord. They did not consult the Lord, so they were deceived. Do you want to keep from being deceived? Then consult the Lord. Look to God for guidance and discernment. Now, my personal steps for Bible study. This is my personal, okay? First, I pray about the Bible study. I pray about the study process. I pray about what I'm about to do. Second, I consult several conservative translations using, once again, that app I've mentioned before. It's my favorite Bible app, free app. I pull up five translations at a time. And I read the text in five different translations. 
Third, I consult conservative church commentaries like uh, McGarvey's uh, uh, Fourfold Gospel, available free online. Uh, Burton Kaufman's, once again, available free online. Then I might even go to other conservative commentaries and books. But fifth, and this is most important, I do a lot of meditating and praying about the passage. Because it really doesn't matter what McGarvey or Kaufman or anybody says. What is God saying? What is God saying to me? What's the message from God? That's what I want to know. What's the message from God? Warren Buffett is one of the richest men in the world. In June 2005, he wanted to help raise money for his foundation. So he set up an online auction on eBay. What did he offer? He offered lunch with himself. The winning bid was $351,100 for one lunch. It was the price of access to a man with a wealth of worldly wisdom. But I can do better than that. Did you know that you have access to God himself, who is someone with a wealth of heavenly wisdom? In fact, you have access every day, and it's not going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. All it's going to cost you is your obedience to his word. James chapter 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Have you ever asked God for wisdom? Have you ever asked God for insight, for discernment? Do you want true heavenly wisdom that will keep you from being deceived and help you live life well? Then all you have to do is ask God for it. With an open Bible, ask God, ask him to guide you according to the principles of his word and his will. He will always do that. I believe that. God's wisdom is available just for the asking. <coughs> so don't be afraid to consult him about everything is the only way to function in an era of fake news. First, don't believe everything you hear. Second, consult the Lord about everything. And third, keep your word. People ask me, why did Israel keep this agreement if this agreement came via deception? It's because of this reason. God's people keep their word. God's people keep their word. Always honor your commitments, fulfill your promises. We raise cotton, soybeans, and hay. Actually, our soybeans and hay made its money. Our cotton just kind of kept things going. Okay, didn't make a lot of money with cotton. But we had a, a large hay business. And one year, at the start of the year, uh, you know, people would uh, uh, commit to us to buy, you know, cutting. And one guy wanted to buy our first cutting. That would be roughly about 500 bale. My dad misquoted the price. He was thinking wrong. He was thinking, and he quoted the price of our cost 
in raising that hay. And the guy said, I'll take it. What to do? Because we were not going to make a penny on that cutting. We sold that cutting at that price. We honored our commitment because we had promised that one cutting at that price. So that guy got a bargain, a big bargain. Honor your commitments, fulfill your promises. That's what Joshua did. He kept his word even to those who lied to him. The congregation of Israel, yeah, they was complaining about the Gibeonites' deception and rightly so. But he still honored his word. The leaders of Israel had sworn an oath to let the Gibeonites live. So that's exactly what they did. They turned the Gibeonites into what? Servants. Remember, what did they say? Verse 8, we are your servants. Well, we'll make you servants. They made them into woodcutters and water carriers. But the Israelites let them live just as they promised to do. They kept their word. And that's what you and I must do, especially in an age of fake news. You see, just because people lie to you, that doesn't mean you should fall to their level and lie to them. Because we operate on a higher standard. Always. At a time when integrity has become a lost art. Maintain your own integrity and so regain any respect that you might have lost when you allowed yourself to be deceived. That's what happened to Joshua. He regained Israel's respect because they never grumbled against him again. And you too can regain or gain respect. If you like Joshua, keep your promises even even if it hurts, even if it's difficult. At a time when integrity is rare in our world, you will stand out if you maintain your own integrity. If you want to do well in an era of fake news, first, don't believe everything you hear. Second, consult the Lord about everything. Third, keep your word. And finally, confront the lie. When I had the proof that that story from preacher John Doe was wrong, I immediately called him back. I said, you're wrong. And you are hurting this man and in so doing, you can even hurt the school. You need to ask God for forgiveness. You need to contact everybody that you have contacted and correct the story and ask for forgiveness. And you need to contact these other guys who called you and, and, and correct them. Because that's wrong. It's wrong. You address the deceit. You deal with the dishonesty. That's what Joshua did. He kept his word, but he didn't let the Gibeonites get away with their deceit. Verse 22. Then Joshua called for them and he spoke to them saying, why? Why have you deceived us saying we are very far from you when you dwell near us? Remember, they're just 25 miles away from Ai. Now, therefore, you are cursed. Cursed. 
And none of you shall be freed from being slaves, woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. Verse 24. So they answered Joshua and said, Because your servants were clearly told that the Lord your God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and destroy all the inhabitants of the land before you, therefore we were very much afraid for our lives because of you and have done this thing. And now here we are in your hands. Do with us as it seems good and right to do to us. Joshua is clever here. He uses the Gibeonites' own words against them. He, uh, they had said to Joshua, we are your servants. So that's what Joshua made them into servants. Joshua makes them servants, giving them jobs reserved for the least of the least in the community. Joshua confronted the Gibeonites about their deceit. They confessed their treachery and accepted the consequences. But that opened the floodgates of God's grace. Here's what happened. In the very next chapter, Joshua chapter 10, God works a great miracle on behalf of the Gibeonites. Later on, God chooses Gibeon itself as the place for his altar and his tabernacle where he will display his very presence. Furthermore, a Gibeonite will become one of King David's chief mighty men. And a Gibeonite will help Nehemiah rebuild Jerusalem's walls. That's grace. God turns a curse into a blessing as God brings honor out of dishonor. But none of that would have happened had not Joshua confronted the Gibeonites with their deceit and had not the Gibeonites confessed their treachery and accepted the consequences of their lives. So, dear friends, do what Joshua did. Have the courage to confront the people who lie to you. Hold them accountable with the hope that they will repent and be restored. Matthew chapter 18. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his faults between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. Galatians chapter 6. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of what? Gentleness. Not, well, I'm so much better than you. You know, not condescending. Not putting down, but gentleness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. We cannot ignore the sins of our brothers and sisters. Instead, God calls us to address them gently with a hope of reconciliation and restoration with the assurance that God will pour out His grace. Amen. Jesus loved us too much to let our sin go. Oh no. Instead, he came into this world to expose our sin and provide a way for us to be restored through his death on the cross. 
Then on that cross, God the Son paid the penalty for our sins. Then He rose again, and now He offers eternal life to anyone who would confess their sins, trust and obey Him to bring full and complete restoration. Please, if you haven't done it already, do it today. Confess your sins to the Lord and trust Him with your life as you obey His command of baptism. Then watch as God's grace floods your life and He changes you from the inside out. You see this every time I get up to speak. Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesdays. It's God's easy plan of salvation. These are passages where Jesus is talking. To become a Christian, you must believe you must repent, you must confess, and you must be baptized. It's not hard, it's not difficult. It's easy. Most of us here who are old enough to understand right from wrong, most of us have done that. Praise be to God. But as a Christian, do you need to seek His forgiveness? 1 John 1, 9. The church stands ready to pray for you and with you. If you have any need to respond, will you please do so as we stand and sing would you be praying from the birth?